Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Someone may say, what's, what's going on, Pastor? Really, what's the deal? Two weeks ago, you shared about say no to status quo. The danger of getting stuck and just becoming satisfied and mediocre and where you are. And then last week, you shared about going deeper and the fact that we all too often we stay shallow as believers and shallow in our faith and there's danger in the shallows. What can we do to go deeper? And then today, I'm talking about more than lip service, giving more than lip service. So it's like, wham, wham, wham. It's just like, you know, uh, here's a message that says, you know, need to do this, straighten up here, change this, you know. And, and, but, you know, I get to thinking about that. And it, it seems that we all need times, we need checkups, we need examination. Sometimes we need something to get our attention because things have happened in our lives so subtly and slowly that, that, that we've allowed things to crowd in and we've, we've drifted or we've come to a place in our Christian life with, that, that, that there's no fire, there's no zeal, there's no authority, there's no, uh, really no uh, faith being activated in our life, there's no joy. And it, it can happen to people without, without them uh, even realizing it. There's just some times we need to be reminded, do maybe a little self-evaluation, make some adjustments. Paul was always doing that in New Testament. He was continuing, he continued to tell the church there, the members of the different churches where he wrote the letters, the epistles. He, he wrote and he would talk to them about being sincere, being devoted. Don't allow this to be a part of your life. And, and, uh, and since he needed to remind, the church then needed to be reminded, I think that perhaps you and me, we need to be reminded. It's kind of like a, a ship that is, stays in the same place, that's set still in port for so long, unused. The barnacles, different things attached to that boat, and you don't even realize it. Sometimes that happens in life, things going on in life, things that we've allowed to come into our life, things that we have, have permitted to interfere uh, in our faith walk, in our commitment to the Lord. Uh, sometimes when we stand still, we're kind of in one place, we're not moving forward, we're not growing, things can just attach themselves to us and hold us back from God's very best and what God wants to do and be in our lives. Um, so, so listen, our focus is not on what's wrong, what's lacking, or where you messed up, where I messed up. Our focus, rather, is on the ability. Now, listen, our focus is on the ability of God to transform us, if we'll allow him to, and to evaluate ourselves and make the changes we need to. That's what this is all about. We all need those times. In Isaiah chapter 29... Back in the Old Testament, if you look in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, uh, and this is from the New Living Translation, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. 
It says, and so the Lord says, this is the prophet speaking, and so the Lord says, these people say they're mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote, or it's nothing but man, men's traditions. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You know, um, the Message Bible says it this way. These people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their hearts aren't in it. Act, they act like they're worshiping, but they really don't mean it. You know, when I read that particular statement, I, I just uh, really had to do a little self-evaluation myself. Now, we need to have personal worship time. If the only worship time you have is within 30 or 40 minutes on Sunday morning, then you're missing out on so much because the church is a place where worshipers gather. More than a place where we come to worship, this is a place where worshipers gather. So worship to be part of our life throughout the week. It's just part of who we are. We're worshipers. But how easy is it for, for people to get into the place to where maybe on Sunday morning they attend the church, they attend their church, and normally, as is the case, there's three or four songs that are led by a worship team or by a leader, and everyone stands up as we're seated in rows of people, and we stand up, and some people sing, and some people don't. Some people smile, and some people don't. Some people express their praise and worship to the Lord, and some people don't. Now, you don't judge the basis, you don't judge a person's heart by the basis of what necessarily you see and outwardly, do you? Absolutely not. My question is this, though. Now, think about this. How many times are there when people are gathered like this morning in worship and we're singing songs, and even if we don't know them well, the words are on the screen. But the words that we sing are oftentimes dramatic and powerful and strong. And then I, I, I have to, to ask myself, and then I have to, to encourage you. Just think about it just a moment. When you're worshiping, are you really worshiping? When you sung this morning, when you worshiped this morning, did you really worship? Now, that's not a put down. That's just kind of a challenge and a time to do self-evaluation. And the prophet said, look, you people, you, you, you honor me with your lips, but not with your heart. That's a strong statement. A strong statement. And it bears us looking, I think, for us to take a look at as, as believers. Now, back in Matthew chapter 15, uh, Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And that was not uncommon. It happened quite often. And they asked Jesus a question. They said, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat? You know, it wasn't necessarily that their hands were dirty, but there was this religious ceremony that before you partook, before you ate, that you would go through, sprinkle, wash your hands on he said, why don't your disciples do that? And Jesus did like he often did. He responded to their question with another question. I, I love it. I just, it's amazing at the wisdom 
uh, that, that's involved and, uh, and the, the power that's involved when Jesus responds. And he says, now, uh, here's how he answered him. He answered him with a question, with a question. He says, uh, why do you, by your traditions, violate the commandments of God? And I have to think that when he asked that question, they said, well, who, me? When, when, did we, when did we do that? Well, he told them. Here's what he told them. He said, God says, for instance, God says, honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses or acts disrespectful of father and mother must be, mother must be put to death. I think we should be thankful we don't live in the Old Testament anymore. Maybe this is one where all the young people and kids needed to hear, but most of us wouldn't be around if that was the situation. But it says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses or acts disrespectful to him should be put to death. But you say... Speaking of the Pharisees, verse 5. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I vowed to give this to God, what I would have given to God, what I would have given to you. Now, I think most of the time this was just an excuse they used. Uh, they didn't really want to bless their parents, didn't really want to honor them, but they used an excuse. They used, as an excuse for obedience, they used a religious practice. And so he said, we can't give, mom and dad, we can't give to you because we've already promised this to God. Verse 6, he says, in this way, you say you don't need to honor your parents, so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. Jesus nailed them to the wall with that. And then he says, you're his hypocrites. You're hypocrites. Hypocrite comes from a Greek word that means play actor, like an actor on stage. Does anyone like, anyone here this morning, do you like hypocrisy? Does anyone here really like hypocrisy? Uh, I recently, and I think it's happened more than once, a story of an airline pilot who lived a double life. He flew all over the world, so he had a family and children and his community here in the States, and he had another family and children and community in another country on the other side of the world, and they didn't know about each other, of course, but he lived a double life, and this man was a pillar of his community and well-respected and seemed to love his family, and everything appeared to be legitimate, authentic, but it was total hypocrisy, total hypocrisy. Do you like being around a hypocrite? You know, I heard somebody ask that question. I said, well, you may need to ask yourself a question to people like to be around you. Well, anyway, we don't like insincerity. Here's the problem. The problem is it's much easier to recognize hypocrisy in someone else than it is in your own life. And I say amen to that. I can testify. It's so much You can spot it in someone else. But, but that's kind of true. That's, true. that's human nature. We have found, actually, there have been research over the years and studies that said that someone that would take a stand against something and be very firm and strong and pronounce judgment against someone else, more often than not, they're guilty of the same thing or worse themselves. Religious leaders thought that their religious activity was the same as loving God. Now think about that. We could put it this way. People think that just because they pray some, just because they attend church or belong to a church, just because they believe the Bible is the Word of God, just because they believe in God, then that's enough. Their religious activity is enough. 
That's the same to them as knowing God. What a, what a shame. How sad that is. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 9, the Amplified Bible, the Bible says, but in vain they worship me. Jesus says, but in vain they worship me, for they teach the doctrines and precepts of men. New Living Translation says, they, their worship is just a farce, for they teach man-made ideas, and they teach them as if they were commands from God. It still happens today where people will hold on to a religious dogma or to a church doctrine or belief that's not necessarily biblical or not, but they'll hold on to the traditions. Just because they've always done it this way, it becomes, uh, uh, it actually becomes sacred to them. And I've pastored for many years now, and in the beginning years, I pastored in a denominational church and in small traditional churches. And there were some things that just had been practiced for generation after generation. And if you wanted to stay out of trouble, you just didn't touch those things. You didn't change it. It didn't matter whether it lined up with the Bible. It didn't matter what was right or wrong. You just didn't change it. My problem was that I was young and I thought I was brilliant, but I was rather stupid sometimes. And I didn't always listen. If it needed to be changed, then here this young pastor said, this is not in the Bible. Why do we do this anyway? What are we doing this for? Well, preacher, it's just the way we've always done it. It's just part of our church. Well, there's some good things, right? There's some good traditions. All traditions are not bad. Absolutely. Thank God for good traditions. But what happens is people will substitute the traditions of men the way we've always done it for what's true. I remember the story of a monk. And this monk was to worship his God. He had to practice what he would do is he would take a, a dish of butter and he would place it up on the windowsill as a sacrifice or an offering to his God. Well, he kept doing that. The problem was he had a cat. And every time he'd put the butter up on the windowsill, the cat would come and lick the butter. So finally, he decided, I need to do something about this. So he tied his cat to the bedpost so he couldn't get to the butter. Well, several years passed by and generations. And over generations, these traditions passed on to where, sure enough, other men who, other monks that came along and offered their offering to the Lord did just the same. They would put a dish of butter up on the windowsill. And if they didn't have a cat to tie the bedpost, they'd go buy one. It's coming. It'll get there in a minute. If you haven't gotten it yet, while you're sitting at lunch today, you think, oh, yeah. I, it was passed down. It was meaningless, but it was tradition, tradition of man. Well, Matthew chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. You also find this in Mark chapter 7. You live in translation says, and this is Jesus, strong words. He says, you hypocrites. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to religious folks. The ones that should have been our, the example to follow. Oh, he says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right. Well, you know, we just read from Isaiah. And Jesus said, you know, Isaiah was right. When he prophesied about you, this is what he wrote. Verse 8. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We call it lip service only. Now, lip service means saying yes with your mouth, but saying no with your heart and actions. Lip service is insincere agreement. You ever had anyone, you know, you're working with, you ask them a question, you want them to go along with you, there's something to do, and they agree with you, but you know they don't really agree with you. 
They say they believe, but they don't really believe. Uh, I like this. Lip service is consent with your words, but dissent with your heart. It means to pretend to believe, but not practice. To say something, but not do it. Now look at Matthew chapter 21, verse 28 through 31, if you have that. If you don't, let me just kind of go through the account here. Here's what happened. The, the, again, the uh, religious leaders had come to Jesus and they asked him a question. Trying to trick him. They asked him a question. And here's how he responded. But what do you think about this? Again, he answers a question with a question. Think about that. That would be good for you to, to learn to do. In some instances, that is really a great way to teach. He says, but what do you think about this? A man had two sons. He went to his older son and he asked him, said, you need, you need to go out and work. I want you to go out and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind. He regretted that. He changed his mind and he went anyway. But the father told the, old, the other son, you go and work. And he said, yes, sir, I will go. But he didn't go. Which, and he asked the, the, the Pharisees a question, he says, which of the two obeyed his father? Well, he had them again. And they said, um, the first one. Oh, so it's the one, not just the one, it's not the one who said he would go and didn't, just lip service. It's the one who actually did it. Even though at first, there was no even agreement. It's all about following through our life to match up with our words. Now, three things. Lip service dishonors God. Lip service only. That's our words are important. Support how the right words. But lip service dishonors God. Lip service only will deceive you. Because you think that just because you know these words and maybe you say these things, you, you, you substitute it for actually falling through and doing them. And thirdly, lip service only will discredit your witness. How many of you know, if you say one thing and do another, it hurts your influence on others and it hurts your witness to believer, doesn't it? Because there's already there's always people out there that are ready to accuse and say, oh, you're just a hypocrite. You're not really who you say you are. Look, I've seen what you do. It's people out there that, that, and sometimes they may be right and sometimes they, did, they may be wrong. But look, the church is not the only place where you'll find some hypocrites. They're everywhere. <laughs> but there probably are some, or at least there are some Christians who fall into that at certain moments. But... Anyway, in this particular situation, you have to understand that people hear what you say and that if they see something completely different or they see you involved in worship and a part of a church. You know, there, there was years ago, I used to have a little bit more fear and trepidation about having T-shirts or church printed with a church's name on it for just anybody to wear. You hear what I'm saying? So you folks that have a CLM shirt, now listen, you, you make sure you're a good witness out there. I actually make sure you're a good witness whether you're wearing a CLM shirt or not, but it's important. 
Do you know the number one reason? You know, this is this is from some some articles, right? And I, you know, I think it's factual. I really do. But I think I agree with it. That the the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today. Now, my first thought would be that person has been has gone through a very difficult time. I know some people that turn their back on God because of some tragedy in their life. They lost a loved one or something terrible happened and they're blaming God. So they say, oh, God will do that. I don't believe in God. There's no God. But you know the number one cause of atheism in the world? It's this. It's Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips but deny him with their lifestyle. That's the number one cause of atheism. You see, that's what the unbelieving world just simply finds unbelievable. Now, the opposite, of, the opposite of hypocrisy is authenticity. Authenticity was kind of a catch word for recent years. We got, let's just be authentic. I'm just being authentic. You know, you can be authentic and be wrong. Well, what you see is what you get. That's the way I am. I don't try to pretend anything. I'm authentic. Well, you're authentically wrong. You need to be authentically like Christ. Be an authentic believer. And by the way, being authentic as a believer doesn't mean you're perfect. Can I hear an amen to that? You can be authentic, real, sincere in your heart, desire to serve the Lord and love Him. You still got some things going on in your life. You still mess up sometimes. There's some things that need to be changed in your life, but you would consider yourself an authentic believer. You believe it, and with God's help, you're going to walk it out. A question we need to ask ourselves is, is there a gap between what I say and what I do? What size gap is there between what I say and what I do? In today's culture, image is everything. Virtual reality, you don't know what's real, what's not real. It's harder for people to be their true selves. They have to live up to someone else's expectations. Media influence. You know, in theater or movies, authentic characters are, are, those, are those who who are great actors. And what happens is they lose sight of the actor and believe that people will see them, and they'll lose sight of the actor and they believe in the character itself. They're such a great actor that you don't see that person anymore. They have transitioned to the place to where you see the character, the role they're playing. But the truth is, and that's, that's powerful, that's a, that's a good thing, but it's important for us to see that, that while this actor may be pretending to be one thing and it becomes so real that people see that, what we're talking about as a believer is not living one life pretending to be another, it's learning to be authentic and living the life that God called us to live. So that when people see you, when people watch you, that your words, that your attitudes, that your actions, all this lines up with what a believer, what a follower of Christ should be and can be. Uh, I read this the other day. I read this article the other day I thought was kind of interesting. It said the headline of the article was millennials, young adults, millennials, are leaving the church in droves. Now, that's not true all across the board. There are a lot of churches that have a, a... a, an amazing outreach to millennials, to college age and young adults they have a tremendous outreach. And, and some churches, that's their main congregation. And that's wonderful. Um, 
it's more dominant in urban areas where there's a lot more millennials living there. Uh, but sometimes millennials get a bad rap because they're seen as the, the kid that never grew up and is out of college, doesn't have a job, and still lives in mom and dad's house or basement. And so, and, and doesn't have a clue concerning what reality is in life. So sometimes millennials get a bad rap because some of these millennials are fantastic Christians, these young people really have a head on their shoulders and they want, they want what's true and what's right. But I read this article that said why millennials are leaving the organized church in droves. And here's what, they, here's, what they, here's what they wrote down. Here's what these millennials said. They said, we left because church is boring. It's boring. If I left church every time that it was boring, I would have left a long time ago as a kid. I wouldn't have gone half my life probably, even when I was preaching. Some of those services I wouldn't have been at. I know that's a complaint because we'd rather be out on, on the people would rather be out on the beach in the ball game or out playing whatever and then sitting in a, in a church service going through these things. And I know a lot of young people get to feeling that way sometimes. But, you know, a worship gathering should, a lot of that, whether it's boring or not, has to do with your attitude when you get there has to be with your heart, not what's going on during that worship time. But there are some church services that are just out and out boring. They're dead. They also said, we, we don't go anymore because it operates just like a business instead of a family. They said, we don't go anymore because, I don't, I don't go anymore because uh, there's no real close-knit community there, not beyond the four walls of the building anyway. They said, the church is trying too hard to be relevant instead of being real. Thought that was pretty strong. They said the church is just too legalistic. There's too many self-righteous people there. Another thing they said is they're, they're not, that the churches are not teaching how to really know Christ. I thought that was so revealing. That these young men and women were saying, I go there, but they're not really showing me how I can know Christ. There's no depth in the teaching. And here's the final thing they said. I stopped going because those who are attending all the time, they're not being changed. They're not changing. I don't see any change in them. But that's, that's a pretty big indictment. But the truth is, believe it or not, these young people, they want more than a cool worship service and skinny jeans. They want authentic. You don't have to worry about skinny jeans when it comes here. Although, Lord, 50 more pounds than I might wear jeans on Sunday morning. <laughs> Headed in the right direction. Being authentic doesn't necessarily mean being right. Remember that. Being authentic Christian means we want to line up to be who we are called to be. Be as the Lord created us to be and redeemed us to be. Let me point these three things out before we go very quickly. When you talk about being more than lip service, it requires an inner transformation. Everybody say, inner transformation. It requires an inner transformation. You know, you might have seen some things, dramatic things, or some dangerous things on TV, and, and they have a the little thing underneath that says, don't try this at home. <laughs> don't try to be a Christian without a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't try to be a Christian without a transformed heart. It'll drive you crazy. You'll be miserable. 
Don't try to live the Christian life unless you have that new heart. Ezekiel said from the Lord, I will put a new heart in you and a new spirit I'll give you. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said, if any person's in Christ, behold, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. If you're going to be legitimate and authentic and more than just a lip service believer, it starts with a transformed heart. It starts on the inside. Amen? Thank God that he changes our heart. It's supernatural. Now, it doesn't mean that once that happens to you that everything in your life is going to be different or you won't still have some things going on in your life that need to change. That's what renewing your mind, that's what discipling is all about, is to become more and more like Christ. But when you come to Christ and your heart's transformed, you are justified, which means that you are just as if you had never sinned. You are in complete right relationship with God. You have the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a brand new creation. And you must start right there. It's the only place. Good place for amen? Again, amen. So one of the things that takes is a better or a deeper understanding of grace. Now, I had to be careful here because I could, I could pause and stay right here for a while. But I'm going I'm to try to walk right through it. I think we as believers today, most of us need a deeper or better understanding of grace. Now, gosh, there's all kinds of things going on in my mind and my heart right now. Grace. Typically, people say grace is unmerited favor. I get something, God gives me something I didn't deserve. But, but grace, there's, that, there's certain aspects of that are true. But that's not really, really the depth, the meaning of grace. And what I'm saying is here, when I preach any sermon that has to say, okay, you, you, need, to, you need to get with it. This, this needs to change in your life. When it, whenever the Lord is speaking to me or whenever I'm, I'm given a word to share that, that says, congregation, Look at your life. Look at where you are. Is this where you need to be? Is this where you want to be? Is this where God wants you? Hey, look, look, look. This shouldn't be happening. This needs to change. When I'm saying that, I'm not picking on anybody. Just like when the Holy Spirit reveals that to me, I don't think he's picking on me. I think he loves me and he wants to help me by showing me these things. And that's why the Holy Spirit's speaking things to you as I talk about. Oh, yeah. That does need to change. But this is, the tendency is for us as religious people to go into some type of self-improvement mindset. That all oh, the pastors telling me all these wonderful things are things that, that, that are, this is step one, two, three, four, five, and I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take step one, two, three, four, five, and, I, and this is self-improvement. <clears throat> Excuse me, self-improvement. Well, there, there's a place for self-improvement in our lives. But don't try to get to a place as a believer to affect these changes in your life without the grace of God and without the help of the Holy Spirit. Don't you struggle and try to make right things that are wrong. Don't you try to do in your own strength, don't you try to correct things that need to change your life. Don't do it. You don't have to do it in your own strength. Hallelujah. You don't have to. God has given his grace to help us. Starts with a changed heart. And then grace working in us. You see, 
This is important for us to know because church mindset goes the other way. <clears throat> Religious mindset. Goodness does not earn grace. Being good will never earn grace. Grace, though, results in goodness. Let me pause for a minute. This is really good stuff. <laughs> I was out somewhere this past week, and I stopped by this business and everything, and the gentleman came out and everything. He said, I watch you on the television all the time. I never quite know what the next sentence is going to be on that. I watch you on the television all the time. I said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. He says, yes. He said, let me tell you something. He says, there's a lot of people that just preach. Let me tell you something for me. He says, you're a teacher. He says, when I listen to you, you teach. I can understand. It's not just a step one, two, three. And let me tell you what. That was a blessing. That was, that was encouragement that day. He said, I told, my, and he, he told my, I said, I told my wife that. You come here she was, and sit down and watch this program. <laughs> this man will teach you something. <clears throat> I didn't, I don't know what the wife's total response was. I don't get that. But as I was leaving the business, he turned and he, he, he yelled out to one of the guys, one of his employees. He yelled out to him. He says, this man is on television. Do you get that channel? Yes, I do. He said, you need to watch him because this man will teach you something. And I think, you know, we can get a lot of be stirred up and excited and prophetic things happening, and I'm all for that. That's wonderful. Gosh, we, you know, God, we need that in the church. But for most of us, it's not, it's not so much about not knowing the truth. It's about knowing the truth and then following through by doing it. But there is an important place in the church today for teaching. We must be taught the Word. Now, you don't have to have a preacher for that. You can study. God will teach you. The Holy Spirit's the greatest teacher. But anyway, these are tremendous truths that we need to learn. Righteousness within, righteousness within us produces righteousness without. Don't ever get the idea that it's all about you trying to do it in your own effort. Grace doesn't excuse sin. It empowers right living. Grace is the empowerment from God to enable you to be what you should be and fulfill God's purpose. So if you're going to be transformed on the inside, what you and I need is a better, deeper understanding to, hey, God's grace is available to me, and it's abundant grace, the Bible says, and it will help me change. Where it'll not just be lip service. I'll live it out. I'll be an authentic follower of Christ. The second reason, first reason is, it requires, first thing in more lip service, it requires entertainment. The second thing is, and there's three points, so it's, a, it's an official sermon. It has three points. Number two, <laughs> number two, if you're going to be more than, than uh, lip service, then you're going to need to rely on a relationship and not on a set of rules, not on a set of rituals, not on form. It, you, it, you're, if you're going to be real, you must have a real daily relationship with Jesus. John 15, 7, Jesus said, If you will abide or remain or continue in me, and my words abide and remain or continue in you, that is a relationship. And he says, if you do that, you ask anything you desire, it'll be done for you. That is an astounding statement, but true. Number three, 
It's important more than lip service. It's important to do a regular inspection. We need a regular inspection. You know, physically, people need a regular physical exam. Uh, you have an automobile, some mechanical tool or something. Sometimes it needs a um, regular inspection to make sure it's working right, to see if there are th some things that need to be done to make it work better. Psalm 26, verse 2, the Bible says, Test me, O Lord, and try me. In other words, inspect my heart. Examine my heart and my mind. Listen, this is my challenge today before we go home. Is after hearing all these things and where you are in your life, and for some things that need to be aligned or changed, and if you've got a deep down desire to say, Lord, I don't want it just to be something I, I, I say. I, I don't want it to be that type of, of Christianity. Lord, this is from my heart. I want to walk out who I'm supposed to be. I want to walk out my life as a believer and follow Christ. That's my desire. I want to walk it out. God forbid that I should ever worship just giving lip service and it not be real. God forbid that I should pray and it just be religious and not real. God forbid that I should pretend to love people and, 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 and it not be real. The, 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 the uh, Pharisees were always doing things for show, but it wasn't real. And that's, Lord, say, Lord, I don't want to do things for show, and I don't want to do things just because I'm referred to as a Christian. I want to do things, Lord, because this pleases you. And I want to be genuine. Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. And this is interesting in a couple of places in, in the Bible. In the Old Testament, Psalm 119, the, the writer says, I have considered my ways. Do you know there's sometimes that you need to pause before the Lord and consider your ways? Yeah? And consider my ways. And Paul wrote a couple of times, but I only have one here in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. We all need a time to examine ourselves where we are spiritually, right? And that's what these last three weeks now have been about. Lord, examine my heart. Inspect my life. I want to be authentic and real. I don't want to be shallow. I don't want to be stuck in status quo. I want to go deeper, and I, don't, and I want it to be genuine and not lip service only. This is what my heart says today, Lord. That's what I want. Is that yours? Jesus asked a penetrating question in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Listen, this is a question Jesus asked, another question I think to us too. He says, why do you call me Lord when you do not do the things I say? Let's just let that sink in for just a moment. And hear it personally that Jesus would say, why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? That's a good kind of Shake me and wake me up and, Lord, help me to be genuine in following you. Right? Lord, I want to be a genuine, authentic believer. I want to pray over you before we go. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord, for today. It's been a great day. Wonderful time of worship and prayer. God, thank you. Thank you for each one in this building. Those are, are those that are leading our children, teaching them for all the boys and girls, for all the young people, Lord. Thank you for them.
for those that are, are out of town and traveling that are part of our family, we pray your blessings and protection over them. And Lord, now before we go, I pray that, that certain elements of truth that I shared this morning, that the Holy Spirit took those things and just zeroed in, just like an arrow to a target, zeroed in to, to hearts, to individuals today, and that they were able to identify with this and say, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step it up now. Change my heart. If you've never received Jesus as personal Savior, to follow Him as Lord, that's where it starts. Don't try to do this without Him. But He'll change you starting on the inside and then you'll see it on the outside. And Christian, let me encourage you, don't try to just, just evaluate your life and then try to make adjustments on your own. Will you let grace do a deeper work in you today? Will you let that empowering ability of God supernaturally help you to change and be transformed to be, here it is, to be more and more like Christ. That is it, period. That's where we need to go. That's where we're going, exclamation point. Lord, to be more like you. More like you. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you for speaking to us today. I'm grateful that it doesn't stop when I say amen here. It doesn't stop when we walk out of this building. But your word continues to work. And it continues to work in those who will open their hearts to you. And you will continue to change us, transform us, build us up, help us to mature, and help us, Lord, to impact the community and people around us to the glory of God. And I thank you now for that in the mighty, in the powerful, name of Jesus. Amen.